welcome to Ragbag. My name's Frank Burton. Episode 87, that means I have said the words welcome to Ragbag, my name's Frank Burton, at the very least 87 times, I think more than that, because of bonus content and what have you. So I guess by now you ought to know what my name is and what the name of the show that you're listening to is. Why do I keep saying it, I wonder? I don't know. I'll have to ponder that one. I've got some other ideas as well, more productive ones actually, so we'll talk about them. We'll have a tune first while I think about what to do with this repetitive introduction of mine.
So let's throw some more ideas around, shall we? I feel like doing it. I feel like putting some more thoughts out there into the world for you to take away and do something with. These ideas are all yours, by the way, free of charge, unless you want to pay me for them. That would be a bit weird because I'm giving them to you. But, you know, if you want to give me some money, that's all good. Buy my books on Amazon for a start. I get money from that. I was thinking of setting up one of those... Uh, what do you call them? Buy me a coffee accounts where fans can donate a few pounds here and there, enough to buy you a cup of coffee, for example. It's a nice idea. But instead of doing that, I had the idea of doing it old school, not online. I was thinking of just standing out in the street and yelling at passers-by, buy me a coffee. Seriously, I'm thirsty here. Buy me a coffee. I'll have to see how far I can get with that. Right, here's this week's ideas. We have a lot to get through, so we're just going to have to get cracking. First idea, power cuts. Everyone secretly likes a power cut, don't they? You don't think you do, but trust me, you do. The power goes off, and you're like, oh no, the power's gone off. But secretly, there's a part of you that's going, ah, the power's gone off. Time to have a nice sit down doing nothing for a while. What a relief. So here's the idea. A device you can attach to your home or office that randomly cuts the power off at a frequency and duration of your choice. It has to catch you by surprise though. You can't say, I fancy having a power cut at 3 o'clock tomorrow, ideally just before my Zoom call with that awkward client. You need to have the element of surprise. That moment where you have those two thoughts at once. Oh no, the power's gone. And oh yes, the power's gone. There's something about that moment, I think, that experience of having those two contradictory thoughts at once. Come to think of it, this device that randomly generates power cuts, maybe you could call it the ambivalence generator. And maybe it could be a multi-purpose tool for generating other forms of ambivalence. Like that moment when you're engaging with a loved one in some way and you're thinking, I really love this person. And there's another part of your brain saying, I really hate this person. Relationships are complicated, aren't they? And that feeling of ambivalence can be kind of frustrating, but maybe that's because the ambivalence is something that's beyond your control. But with access to your own ambivalence generator, you have the power to decide when and where you get to have mixed feelings about stuff. Just press that magic button on your ambivalence generator, embrace your loved ones and say to them, wow, this is really fantastic. I love you and also hate you in equal measures. I just had two contradictory thoughts at once. Also, on the subject of power cuts, imagine having a power cut that's for batteries. Just one, two, three, blip, and all the batteries in the world temporarily stop working. Smartphones really have taken all the fun out of regular power cuts, haven't they? Power cut is fine. I'll just play on my phone for a while. On 75% battery life here, guys. You see what I mean? You're not supposed to be playing on your phone. This is supposed to be a much-needed break from electricity. Sit on the couch and stare into space, why don't you? So, that's power cuts for batteries. Next, we were talking a few weeks ago about various ideas that I had for fictional detectives. Cop with a twist. I think we exhausted all of the possibilities there. But we haven't talked about bad guy with a twist yet, have we? You know what I mean, bad guy with a twist... In particular, I'm thinking of a serial killer with an eccentric vendetta. There's loads of them about. He's a prolific serial killer. 
He's baffled the nation's greatest detectives. And the funny thing is, he only kills people called Terry. How strange. He's a serial killer with an eccentric vendetta. What an eccentric serial killer. At some point, it'll turn out that, I don't know, someone called Terry was mean to him as a child. Some kind of backstory about some kid called Terry at school who stole the future serial killer's lunch money. The school bully was the first victim, but after killing his first Terry, the serial killer still feels quite angry with the world, so he just carries on killing people called Terry. This may seem like an evil thing to do, but come on. He was bullied as a child, so he's relatable as well, yeah? Lots of possibilities with this serial killer with an eccentric vendetta thing. How about this one? He's a prolific serial killer. He's baffled the nation's greatest detectives. And the funny thing is, he only kills people who positively reviewed the film Toy Story 4. He's very angry about it. They made the perfect movie trilogy with the first three films. Then there's the lacklustre fourth movie with the talking fork. Oh, we've lost the talking fork. What's happened to this much-loved film franchise? Anyone who positively reviewed Toy Story 4 must be killed. That's not my opinion, by the way. I haven't actually seen any of the Toy Story films. I'm sure they're very good. But this guy, this serial killer with an eccentric vendetta, he has a real problem with it. It'll take a genius detective to crack this case. It'll take a cop with a twist. Step forward, the greatest detective of a generation. Absolutely nothing escapes her attention. But the twist is... She really likes Toy Story 4. She thought it was the best film of the series, so much so that she went online when it came out and gave it five stars on all the fan sites, each time leaving a comment with her name and postal address at the bottom. So she's now a prime target for the Toy Story 4 killer. She could well be his next victim. So begins a gripping game of Cat. And, and mouse. They always pause before they say mouse with these things. Like there's a weird surprise at the end of the sentence. You know they're going to say mouse. So no pun intended here. But why the pause? Why the pause? You see, the pun intended. The pun was intended, I'll be honest. There's more to it than that, of course. This serial killer, he has a backstory, Okay. He's not just some guy who was disappointed by yet another Pixar sequel. His parents ignored him as a child. He would wander the streets alone. Eventually, the projectionist at his local cinema took pity on him and allowed him to sit and watch movies with him without the need to pay for a ticket. The boy spent many happy hours watching film after film. The cinema gave him the emotional support he was lacking at home. That was... Until one day in 1987, the boy sat down and watched the worst movie ever made, Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. Now, don't get me wrong, he was no film snob. He loved the Police Academy series. But all the jokes had already been cracked repeatedly in the first three films. This was more than just a disappointment. The cinema was the boy's only source of emotional support. And now the cinema itself had slapped him in the face. So, you know, you may think that being a serial killer is rather a socially irresponsible way to spend your time. And who knows? Maybe you're right. But bear in mind, this particular serial killer has a tragic past. Here's another one. 
He's a prolific serial killer. He's baffled the nation's greatest detectives. And the funny thing is, he only kills people who wear orange trousers. Or as the Americans would have it, orange pants. There's no particular reason for this. He doesn't have a backstory. He's just decided to kill people who wear orange trousers. He's not too bothered about what style of trousers, jeans, joggers, shorts. He doesn't care. If they're orange, you're going to die. It'll take a real genius cop to crack this case. A cop with a twist. Step forward, the greatest detective of her generation. Absolutely nothing escapes her attention. But the twist is, she doesn't work for the police. She works for the fire service. Often she's called upon to wear her luminous yellow fire jacket and her regulation orange trousers. So begins a gripping game of cat. Let's see how long we can hold this pause for. A gripping game of cat. I will get back to you at a later time about how this sentence will eventually end. In the meantime, buy me a coffee. Next idea. Outdoor hotels. Really luxurious rooms, great facilities, exquisite food, all in the open air. If it rains, you'll just have to get wet. Take the rough with us move. It's just another way of generating ambivalence. You know, I really like this hotel. Also, I really don't like this hotel. Oh, there we go. I'm having two contradictory thoughts at once. That's a real zinger. I really do think ambivalence is underrated, you know. I think perhaps it's what we ought to be striving for. Pure ambivalence, a state of being totally 50-50 on something. A lot of people strive for a state of pure happiness and of course they'll be disappointed because it's just not achievable. You're better off aiming for total misery which is much easier to achieve although why would you want to do that? Obviously it's your life. Go for a state of total misery if that floats your boat. Lots of people do, whatever works. But aiming for a state of pure ambivalence. It's a challenge but it's achievable and it's an interesting state to be in. Sometimes you can just stand back and marvel at all your internal dilemmas. Like, look at that. No idea how to tackle that one. Isn't it wonderful? Let's move on to an idea I've been working on for at least 15 years. I was working in an admin job sometime in my mid-twenties. We used to have these team meetings once a week. And they were always pointless, you know what I mean? And despite being unnecessary, they often lasted 90 minutes or more. We could have played an entire football match during that time. At least we'd have got some exercise. You see, this happened 15 years ago and I'm still not over it. All my colleagues agreed too. No one enjoyed the team meetings. Anyway, this one time we're about to go into the meeting room, the guy who sat next to me whispered so the managers wouldn't be able to hear. Looks like we're in for another snooze fest. I'd heard the expression snooze fest before and I liked it, but for some reason I'd never considered it before as a concept. But now I had an hour and a half of three thinking time on my hand so I sat there and thought about the term snooze fest and the possibility of there being an actual festival for snoozing. Not a sleeping festival. Sleeping's a different thing altogether. Sleeping is a basic bodily function. Snoozing is a luxurious lifestyle choice. It's Saturday mornings, not being woken up by the alarm, waking up, remembering you don't have to do anything and then gently drifting back off again. Drifting back into consciousness and then drifting away to dreamland. 
there's nothing quite like it. There's nothing quite like that feeling of not knowing whether the idle thought you're having is a conscious thought about what you're going to be doing in real life that day or a thought from the dream world about whatever your subconscious imagination has thrown up for your enjoyment. Imagine that. But instead of you in your bed on a Saturday morning, it's you and a thousand other people on one giant mattress in the biggest marquee you've ever seen in your life. And it doesn't just last for a morning, it lasts for an entire weekend, just snoozing the whole time. So, that snooze fest. I think it could really take off, pandemic permitting. Here's an idea for a new character. He's a politician. And he does that thing where, you know, politicians have this habit of denying everything. I sometimes wonder if that's the entirety of their job, just 40 hours a week of denying basic facts. So this character, he's a politician who likes to deny things. Maybe I'll call him some coded name like Dennis Islington. So his name can literally be shortened to Den I or something like that. So Dennis Islington just denies everything all the time, even in his private life. Like he'll be at home with his kids and one of them will say, Dad, can you pass me those antihistamines? And he'll reply, I am pro-histamines. I have always been pro-histamines, as per the manifesto statement. No, Dad, I mean the Pyroton for my allergies. It's up there on the shelf, just there, next to the Pro Plus. I have never been Pro Plus in my life. If you care to read the statement in the manifesto, you will clearly see I have followed a consistent anti-plus stance throughout my political career. Hang on, Dad. I think your phone's going off. It's, um, who is it? Oh, it's Auntie Eileen. I have never been Auntie Eileen in my life. If you care to read the manifesto in detail, it should be abundantly clear that I have been consistently pro-Eileen since the very invention of Eileen itself. Whatever, Dad. I'm just going to help myself some snacks from the fridge. Is there anything you want? We've got some, got some of that probiotic yoghurt. I have never been probiotic yoghurt. I have stated on many occasions, both privately and in public forums, that my commitment to being antibiotic yoghurt is second to none. So that'll be a no then? No, that will not be a no. That will be a yes. So, do you want a probiotic yoghurt? I have never been probiotic yoghurt. And so it goes on. You know, it sounds like a basic sketch, but actually... I think this could be the basis of a major motion picture. I mean, there are so many things that have the word pro or anti at the start. This could be a three or four hour long Oscar contender. And you may think this is a bad idea. This is, after all, a two minute sketch stretched out across four hours with no plot or character development. But how about this? About halfway through the film, this politician fella, what was his name? Dennis Islington. He discovers the concept of ambivalence. So all of a sudden, instead of his usual knee-jerk reaction, he becomes a little more contemplative. Like his wife will say something like, Did you pick up that antifreeze for the car? And by this point, after two whole hours of Dennis Islington's usual shtick, if you haven't walked out of the cinema yet, you'll be fully expecting him to respond by saying, I have never been antifreeze. If you care to read my manifesto pledges, you will see I have quite clearly and consistently been pro-free throughout my political career. And that's what Dennis Islington starts to say, but then he hesitates. Thoughtfully, he says, You know, in many ways I can see the benefits of freeze, and I can also see the potential for damage that freeze can cause. 
Maybe I'm anti-freeze, maybe I'm pro-freeze, or perhaps I need to take a different approach to freeze altogether. An approach that sees freeze as a fact of life, not necessarily a fact that needs to be opposed or approved of. It's simply a thing that exists. Some might say that I'm sitting on the fence, or I should take a firm stance either for or against, but... Okay, I'm just going to come out and say it right here and right now. Ambivalence is an underrated thing, surely. Being in possession of the ability to understand and appreciate more than one perspective is a fundamentally good thing, and having this blinkered black-and-white view of the world is an inherently flawed and ignorant position. The notion that public figures such as myself, not just in politics but in countless other walks of life, from academia to the world of arts and entertainment, why does everyone have to have an opinion on everything? What purpose do these opinions serve? Isn't it better to see the bigger picture? And if you zoom out far enough, you begin to realise how irrelevant everything is. All these pointless arguments we keep having looping around into infinity, serving no useful purpose whatsoever. As a matter of fact, I think I've passed through a state of ambivalence and have now entered into a state of acceptance that there are some things in life which cannot be changed. Many battles which may never be won, which sounds very defeatist, but actually this new perspective now gives me a sharper focus and an easier means of identifying which problems can be solved. I realise now that up until this point I haven't even been stating my own opinions. I've been saying what I think people want to hear, not even what I think. What my team of advisors have told me what people want to hear. All I've done is repeat that message clearly and consistently, even when it seems absurd for me to do so. Well, no more of this rhetorical nonsense. I'm actually going to use my position of power to become a force for good in the world. And his wife will say, that's all well and good, but did you get the antifreeze? And Dennis Islington will reply, perhaps that speech of mine was a rather long, drawn-out way of saying I'm sorry I forgot to buy the antifreeze. There's another two hours of the film left to go here. I'm not entirely sure what happens after this point, but I like the direction the narrative is taking us in. Dennis Islington is undergoing some changes in his life, his relationships, his ideology... He's become something more than just a one-dimensional character. He's going to win the big awards. I can feel it in my bones. Right, that's enough ideas for today. Let's have some more music. I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I certainly have. Courtesy of the Ragbag Podcast. Brought to you by the concept of ambivalence. Why don't you try being ambivalent about something yourself today?
Thank you for listening. I have been Frank Burton. Please check out my website, frankburton.co.uk, on which you will find all the details of my books, A History of Sarcasm, 100, Everything I Am, and of course, the latest in the Ragbag series, Getting Away With It. It's a fantastic thing. My other podcast is called I Like The Sound. It is a wonderful thing too. Please do subscribe to that. Check it out. Give it a listen. Rating and review and all that sort of thing. I will see you very, very soon. Bye-bye.